Good evening, everybody. So great to be with you. Guys, thank you so much for having us. And um, it's just such a privilege to be amongst you guys. I think, I've been, I think I did a lockdown recording, and I've been here ages ago. I can't remember when it was now, but it's lovely to be back and um, excited about what God's going to do this evening. Um, I'm going to be speaking about singleness. And uh, a few years ago, if you'd said to me, would you come and share about singleness? I would have said, not a chance. Uh, I didn't want to be the token single person sharing about their very sorry life. Uh, but I have, I've had a change of heart, and Jesus has done something beautiful in my heart. And it's such a privilege to speak about singleness tonight, um, because uh, God absolutely loves it. And uh, and I'm excited to see him shift our perspective on what, what does he actually say about singleness. And um, uh, for those of you who don't know me so well, I'm 45. I know that's a shock because I don't look at all that age. But I'm 45. I, I've never been married, so I'm single. I've never been married. I've not had children. And in fact, I now can't have children because four years ago today, actually, I had a hysterectomy. So today is my anniversary of that that challenging time um so it's it's kind of interesting that I'm speaking about singleness today um it was never the dream the dream was to get married have children have a family um and there's been a lot of pain to process and lots of challenges to navigate and that's that's still the case interestingly most of the most of the pain more latterly is about not having children I'm actually in a place where I would say I'm very content being single and uh, it would probably be more costly now for me to be married. Um, But yeah, there's been a lot of journeying to do, uh, but God has been so kind, so, so kind. And uh, so I'm glad you guys are looking at this topic. It's not talked about much in the church. And actually, I think the church probably doesn't doesn't truly believe what God says about singleness. Um, so I'm praying that the Holy Spirit gives us some revelation this evening. Uh, first, some caveats. Uh, there, are a, there are a variety of different reasons why people are single. Okay, So some people have never been married and don't have children, which is my situation, uh, but maybe wanted to be married and have children. Some people are single as a result of divorce. And they may or may not have children. Some people are single because they've been widowed. And they may or may not have children. And some people may have chosen to stay single. And I just want to put that caveat out there. I also think it's different for men and women in singleness. I think it's different for women and men. The challenges are different. The journey is different. And so obviously I'm only speaking to you this evening as a, as a single woman who's never been married and doesn't have children. So I cannot cover all the bases of all the different types of singleness in the room. just want to caveat that. I can only share my experience. But what I'm hoping to do is give us God's perspective of singleness and um, to give those of you who are single some faith for your singleness and those of you who are married to understand what it looks like to celebrate people who are single and shift our perspective as to what God thinks about it and support support each other in this church we call family. Because actually married people and single people, we actually all, all need each other. So uh, as I've said, my, my experience in the church around singleness is there's a lot of wrong thinking. And that wrong thinking is never said publicly. 
So I've never been to a church where people have publicly said, it's wrong to be single, it's lesser to be single, it's not as good to be single. No one's ever said that from the front. But sometimes the practices we have in churches, the traditions we have in churches, what we model from the front in churches, the language we use in churches, inadvertently communicates that singleness is lesser, less important, less valuable than marriage. That marriage is the ultimate goal for everybody. Uh, Let me give you one example. There's many I could use, but let me give you one example. The way we celebrate marriage. Okay? When it comes to celebration, we're very good at celebrating marriage. And we're much better at celebrating marriage than singleness. So in the king's arms, we do a good job at celebrating marriage. When people come back from their honeymoon or they get engaged, yay, Mr. and Mrs. Blah, I've come back from the honeymoon. Isn't it great to have them with us? We celebrate anniversaries and milestones in that regard, social media posts. All over the place we're celebrating marriage. And I love that we do that because we should. Because marriage should be celebrated. Right? It's a gift from God. We should celebrate marriage. But my question is, why are we not celebrating singleness in the same way? Because the truth is that singleness is also an amazing gift from God. He celebrates singleness just as much as he celebrates marriage. And uh, it's actually amazing when single people pursue a life of purity before him and lay down their lives to serve him. That is amazing. But we don't celebrate it. I remember when I was thinking about this, thinking about being at church on a Sunday and the person from the front picking me out. Wendy's here. We're just going to celebrate her singleness today. She's been single for 45 years. She's been laying her life down for Jesus. She's been pursuing purity. She's walked through the challenges. Let's stand up, Wendy. Let's celebrate her singleness. And I imagined this scenario and I thought, no way. Don't do it. And then I had to have a sit, sit, sit down with Jesus and examine why would I be thinking that? Why would it feel so awkward to be picked out and celebrated for my singleness? And, and I realized it's because I would have felt shame. I would have felt shame to be picked out to be celebrated in my singleness. Why is that? Well, it's because my belief about singleness was not in line with what God thinks. If we really, really get hold of what God thinks about singleness, there will be absolutely no shame. Uh, because, because he loves it and he values it and it's amazing. But I think the, things that, the way things are set up in church and society as, as a whole, singleness is often seen as less than. And that can create shame. And so I want us to look at what does the Bible say. You guys ready? So 1 Corinthians 7, we're going to stay in here. 1 Corinthians 7, we're just going to read a few bits. But basically, this is a book that Paul writes to the church in Corinth. It talks about a variety of uh, principles uh, for marriage, uh, what to do if you're married to someone who doesn't believe in God. And Paul also tackles singleness. And Paul, who at this point was single himself, is responding to a letter that the Corinthians have written to him, asking him some questions about this stuff. And so he's writing a letter in response. And at one point in 1 Corinthians 7, he says, Now regarding the questions you asked in your letter, 
So they've obviously got questions for him. They've sent this letter asking him all these questions. And now he's answering their questions. And so let's pick up the first thing he says in 1 Corinthians 7, verses 6 6 to 7. He's, He's just, Paul's just talked about some principles for marriage. And then he says this. I say this as a concession, not as a command. But I wish everyone was single just as I am. <laughs> Just let that drop there. The Apostle Paul. I say this as a concession, not as a command, but I wish everyone was single just as I am. Yet each person has a special gift from God of one kind or another. I find that statement absolutely staggering. So, my question to you is when is the last time you had a really, really influential leader stand at the front of your church and say, guys, this is not a command, it's a concession, but I really wish all of you were single like me. Never. Wouldn't be said, would it? But that's what Paul says. I wish everyone was single as I am. It's not a command, it's just Paul's preference for them. It's amazing. It's staggering. The key thing I want to pick out from these verses is that Paul refers to both marriage and singleness as special gifts from God. Each one has their own special gift from God of one kind or the other. Both are gifts, which means both are good. And both have equal value in the sight of God. And this is where the challenge comes for us because we often look at relational status like a hierarchy. So at the bottom you've got singleness. You move up the ladder when you start to date. If you get engaged, you move up again. When you get married, you move up to the next rung. What happens, when, when do you move to the next rung? When you have children, what's the top of the tree? Grandparents. Now you really have arrived when you become a grandparent. Ding, 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 ding. You've reached the top of the ladder. The best, most amazing gift. Do you know what the problem with that thinking is? Singleness is always at the bottom. That is a huge problem. That's why a lot of single people will wrestle with shame. Because they feel like they've not achieved what they should have achieved. They've not moved through the different transitions of life. They should have gone through the expected moving through these different stages. You you just end up feeling like you haven't grown up properly. There's something wrong with you. And it it produces shame. The problem with shame is it causes you to hide. Got a lot of single people who are very gifted hiding. Got to call them out hiding. Because actually single people have got loads to offer the church. Namely, time, if you're in my position. The the other issue with this hierarchy is it elevates marriage above where it should be. I think in the church, just to chuck it out there, I think marriage has become an idol. And we need to repent. We really do. We, We actually believe that marriage is the expected answer for everybody. In our conversations, with even with the ch- our children, we talk about, oh, I've got three kids, two of them are now married, one of them is still not married. It's, it's the language we use all the time. The expectation is the, the natural step for everybody, they will get married. That is what we're expecting. But what happens is it puts marriage above where it should be. It becomes an idol. 
what ends up happening is we end up looking to marriage to be the answer that only Jesus can be the answer for. I know a lot of unhappy married people because <laughs> they've looked to marriage to be the answer to them rather than Jesus. We've got to stop that because Jesus is the answer for all of us, whether we're married or single. Also heard this, this label of gift of singleness banded around. I don't know if you've heard of this. People sometimes ask me, Wendy, have you got the gift of singleness? It's like, it's like what, what they're asking really is have you got this very, very, very rare superpower that is only given to a very, very, very few people who can endure the curse of singleness for the rest of their life? Have you got the gift of singleness? I hope I haven't got the gift of singleness. That's what they're really asking. And I've actually also, I've seen people get married too soon because they are convinced, I haven't got the gift of singleness. And some people I know have got married too quickly and then really struggled in their marriage because they thought, I haven't got the gift of singleness, so I'm just going to jump into marriage as quick as possible because they're looking to, looking to it to be an answer honestly believe that if we understood what God thought about marriage, lots more people would stay single longer. I really do. (laughs) Just chucking it out there, guys. Here's my thoughts. When you're single, you have the gift of singleness. When you're married, you have the gift of marriage. Bottom line. God has not said to me, Wendy, you are going to be single the rest of your life. He's not told me that. All the time I'm single, I have got the gift of singleness. And it's a beautiful gift. If I get married, I will get the gift of marriage. My question is, do we really believe this? Is this what we're teaching in our churches? Do we have single people in leadership? Is this what we're teaching our kids? And that's where the rubber hits the road. Would we honestly believe that if our kids stayed single, it would be the best for them? could possibly be the best for them because singleness is a gift <laughs> might mean you, not get, you don't get to the top of the tree of grandparents but the truth is it's linear in the kingdom all of those positions are linear singleness, marriage, grandparents, kids, no kids all of equal value to the Lord they're all gifts We've got different gifts to them, different challenges, different gifts. Is everyone doing all right? Do you feel like you're being gently, gently whacked? I don't mean to be mean. I hope it's coming across from a good heart. Thank you. Thank you. So, singleness is a gift from God, equal value to marriage. We've got to help people really believe that and think that through for ourselves. Second thing I just want to pick out is we need to get vision for singleness. Both if we're married or single, we need to get vision for it. Because otherwise, if we haven't got vision for singleness as married people, we can be quite pity. We can pity people who are single and feed into their self-pity rather than saying, guys, come on. There's amazing things about this. Paul clearly had vision for his singleness. So in 1 Corinthians 7 verse 32... He says this, I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. 
An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him, but a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. His interests are divided. In the same way, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and spirit, but a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. I'm saying this for your, your benefit, not to place restrictions on you, I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. I love that. Paul's vision for singleness is this. When you're single, particularly if you don't have kids, you can pour yourself out for Jesus. And you don't have to be distracted by pleasing a husband or wife or looking after children or grandchildren. You can just surrender everything to serving Jesus and laying your life down for him. That is such a privilege. It is such a privilege. I know that I have a relationship with Jesus that would be very different if I was married or if I have children. It's a sweet, sweet gift because it's just me and him. Lots of you don't have that. But I do. A couple of examples of what that looks like for me. I can have time with Jesus whenever I want. My breakfast times are quiet. Just me, with a coffee, sitting with Jesus. It's lovely. I can take time with him whenever I want, whenever I want, because it's just me and him. don't have to navigate around a husband or children. I can just be with him. It's amazing. Calling. I can do whatever God asks me to do, wherever he asks me to do it. I'm not tied by anything here. I could go just like that if God called me somewhere. That's a huge privilege. Don't have to navigate feeling like I've got a different calling to my husband or what we're going to do with the kids. I can just go. Just do whatever God wants me to do. Some of you are jealous now, aren't you? <laughs> That's my plan. And you know, the reality is if, you, if you're single and you get vision for your singleness, ultimately you get to point people to Jesus. So the bigger picture vision of marriage is it points to the ultimate marriage, doesn't it? It's the prophetic declaration of one day we as the church will be the bride of Christ and marriage is like a small reflection of that prophetic moment, which I can't wait for. When you're single, you also prophesy about Jesus. But what you do when you're single is you prophesy about the fact that Jesus is all sufficient. People should look at my life As a woman in her 40s, seeing me pursuing Jesus, fulfilled, flourishing, and think, wow, Jesus has to, he's enough. Jesus is enough. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the reward. Jesus is the prize. That's what I get to prophesy. He is enough. He really is the great reward. He really is the prize. That's what people should see when they look at my life. I get to prophesy about him. Isn't that amazing? Of course, there are challenges. We're going to pray in a bit. Of course, there are very real challenges about being single. Just as there are very real challenges about being married, let's face it, the grass is not greener. That's half the problem. As a single person, you're often thinking, if I could just get married, it will solve all these things. The reality is it doesn't do any of it. (laughs) Sometimes married people look at my life and think, "If if I just had a bit of space... It would solve all these things. The grass is not greener. 
both have challenges and I've had to grieve a lot and walk through a lot of pain. It's been very costly. It's been very lonely, particularly being in leadership in the church as a single woman has been very costly and very lonely. There's been a lot of pain and I still have to wrestle with feeling lonely, feeling like there's something wrong with me, pushing through shame, feeling like I don't fit. It's, it's challenging. But I think that's where church family comes in and we can really help each other in this. I think there's two ways particularly we can help each other. Is first of all, understanding what kingdom family looks like. Kingdom family looks very different to nuclear family. In, we have not, we've not got it right in the West. Different cultures have got it right. What we do in the West is someone meets someone, you get married, and then you kind of take yourself out of everything. And then when you have children, you then make your own family. You start to build your own family then. And everyone else seems to get a bit excluded. And that's why often single people can feel quite lonely and isolated and out of things. Kingdom family looks very different. We're all family. We're all brothers and sisters. We should have mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters and sons and daughters across nuclear families. So I've got a a family in the church in Bedford, uh, Ali and Mike. Ali's my friend from from years. I knew her when she was single. Uh, She got married to Mike. They've got two boys. Both are my godsons. Me and my housemate are actually godmum to both of them. We are in their family. We are lifers. They are in my family. I am in their family. We are part of each other's family. There were times when my housemate would look after the kids so that Ali could have some time with Jesus. Once a week, she could go for an hour's coffee because my housemate looked after the boys. There's times when they come over to ask for a sleepover. There was one time I went over their house and Ali remembers me stacking the dishwasher as she was talking to me. It totally blew her mind. For me, it felt very natural. We're family. And the reality is that I bless her and them just as much as they bless me. I think the thing with with being family with, with each other, single people don't need pity. Oh, come and be part of our family. No, no, you need us. You need us in your family. Because some of some of the things that's interesting. Parents with kids, often they're very apologetic about the state of the house or, oh, I don't want you to feel frustrated with the kids around it, a bit bit noisy. As a single person, it's a privilege. It's such a joy to hang out with kids. It meets some of the need in me. But what's amazing is I get to leave the house. (laughs) And it helps me remember, this is why it's great to be single. It's so good. So good. I leave the children and I go home to my peace and quiet. But I've loved being there. And so I think we've got to learn to invite each other into into our families. If you're married with children, look for single people to be part of your family. If you're single, invite yourself into a family. We've got to be intentional about it. And and because, let's do it because we all need each other. Not because, oh, as the family, you're going to help us out as single people. No, no, you need us. (laughs) You need us. We will help you. We will look after your kids. We will serve you. We will really bless you. Also, you will really help us and bless us because we will feel part of family. And lastly, is this helpful? 
So understand kingdom family. I think the other thing is have honest dialogue about the struggles. I think, honestly, this is what has helped me the most in my singleness, is with my married friends, particularly Ali, she tells me as it really is. It's so helpful. I was even talking to her recently. One of the biggest costs for me about being single is that I haven't got someone who's covenanted with me who has got my back, and if push comes to shove, I am their priority. I don't have that person. Right? That's hard. I was talking to Ali about it just last week or two weeks ago. I said, the trouble is, Ali, I just don't have that one person who's covenanted with me who will drop everything for me. (laughs) She said to me, but Wendy, that's the problem. I have got that one person. And sometimes they're not who I need them to be. And they let me down. And they're not the person who I really want to come running. And they don't see what I need. And so I had this conversation where my thinking had been, I haven't got that one person. She was like, I've got that one person. <laughs> it was so helpful. Because all of a sudden I realized, oh yeah, my thinking's completely wrong. Can't be, you can't meet all your needs with one person anyway. And so talking about the challenges is really helpful. I think we've got to be honest, from the front even. I rarely hear anything said from the front about a challenge in marriage. Tell us the challenges. It's helpful. Sometimes people think, I don't want to talk about the challenges because you really want this and I've got it and I don't want to rub your nose in it. No, no, it's helpful to hear. I find, personally. With not having children, again, one of the things I found really hard is not having a little person who really needs me. It's just this longing in my heart to be needed. Someone who, who, who belongs to me, who needs me. Who doesn't hug me for a bit when they really need something, they go to their mum. I want someone who really needs me. I was talking to a friend recently who's married with kids. She was like, I just wish there was a time when I wasn't needed. <laughs> she was like, they need me all the time. I was like, oh yeah, that's really helpful. Actually, there's some real blessings to not being needed. It brings me freedom. But I only realized that because we were honest with each other. I shared my heart. She shared her heart. You know, the main way you build family is through intimacy. And the main way you get intimacy is by sharing what's in your heart. You've got to stop pretending with each other. Drop the mask. Drop the pretense. Drop the, this is how you behave as a Christian. Get in each other's lives. Share your hearts. Say it as it really is really helps. It builds family, it builds intimacy, it builds connection. I just want to finish with this. I think I've said that a few times, sorry. But I think one of the things I love most about being single is that it fixes my eyes on eternity. I really love that because it helps me to remember that this life is temporary We're just all passing through, and we've been made for a different kingdom. And the truth truth is that all of us are called to lay our lives down for Jesus, give everything to him. Our lives are not our own anymore, but I think it's easier for single people to do that, because it's just me and Jesus. And I know that one day I'm going to be with him forever. And I don't have to get distracted in this life with children and a husband. I can just fix my eyes on him and live for eternity and build for eternity.
if you've got if you're married if you've got kids you are building something in front of you aren't you and you should be you're investing everything in what's happening in front of you and that is actually building for eternity because who knows what's going to happen with your kids what they're going to do for Jesus but I'm not building here I'm building there my eyes are lifted to what's coming and I find that is an amazing amazing gift One day, none of it's going to matter anymore anyway, is it? <laughs> Which is amazing. So, marriage and singleness, both equal gifts from Jesus. Both have costs. Both have amazing joys. The grass is not greener. Let's do family together. Let's get honest with each other. Let's share our hearts with each other. Let's get in each other's families and lives to serve and support each other and ultimately let's love Jesus together and do what he's called us to do to see his kingdom come.